parents told him he'd never get anywhere playing video games for a living. Now he's here. It's Behind the Line Radio with your host, Kinetic. And it starts now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Line Radio. I'm your host, Kinetic, a.k.a. Nick. GDC was last week, at least as of this recording. I'm not exactly sure when this is going to go up. Well, it should go up this week, but I don't know when you're listening to it. Anyhow, today I have with me uh, an engineer colleague of mine, Damon. How are you doing today? Hey, guys. Hey. Pretty good. Pretty good. Nice to meet everyone. And coming back to give the, I don't know, non-insider perspective, uh, Jeff, coming back again. Enthusiasm on Baron Fang. How you doing? Good, good. How are you? All right. I'm doing okay. Uh, been a busy week, what with GDC and all, and, you know, you actually have to keep working while GDC's on, which can be a bit... Uh, Unfair? <laughs> a bit of a stretch, at least for me. Uh, Damon, I know you t- attended plenty. How much... Uh, how much work distractions did you have while you were attending your talks and whatnot? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, that's that's part of the deal. I mean, you, you get to go, which is which is nice. Obviously, work uh, sponsored the trip, so can't complain about that. But yeah, I, I definitely lost a few talks to uh, incidents that were going on while the talk was happening. Uh, you know, poke my head up and be like, oh, I don't remember the last six slides. I guess I'm just gonna <laughs> let, this, let this one go. <laughs> Well, you also get uh, access to the, the the vault, right? So we can That's true. go back and rewatch the videos if we care enough, right? Exactly, exactly. And yeah, we actually uh, the engineers kept a doc together of uh, of like must see talks. So uh-huh. I definitely will be revisiting that. And I think I think I put a few lines in there that I of talks that I now don't remember, but I'll <laughs> remember that I thought they were good at the time. And so. <laughs> Of course, it's also a big, long convention, so maybe you thought they were good because you were way too tired to be uh, very critical thinking about it, huh? That is also true. Stamina is definitely a factor. Um, <laughs> you know, a big part of GDC, maybe the biggest part of GDC, is the uh, quote-unquote networking mm. that happens you know, at the end of the day. And uh, yeah, towards those Wednesday, Thursday sessions, you're starting to feel it. And yeah. the Friday sessions, it's like a ghost town. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I only went on Wednesday and Thursday because uh, well there was no- nothing for QA on Monday or Tuesday, mm. and the 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 exhibition floor wasn't really up until Wednesday yep. anyway. So yep, there's definitely yeah that's true. Yeah, there's definitely not much for QA. I actually attended one uh, special interest group by the I keep wanting to get the letters backwards, but it's the IGDA International Game Developers Association for uh, trying to advocate for QA. Mm-hmm. And this was probably the most interesting thing I was involved with because there was a lot of conversation about, you know, how do we try to, you know, improve things or advocate for QA and what should we try to do? <laughs> and it was, it was actually kind of fascinating because, you know, they had to split into little groups and discuss stuff. Mm-hmm. And for my group, it seemed like the overwhelming and obvious choice was to try to get more representation at GDC next year because that'll improve the, uh, the I don't know, profile of QA and it's also achievable. And then a whole bunch of people were coming up with different stuff and I'm like, oh, I now understand how these disconnects in planning happen and why you can have really strong disagreements about things, you know, like unions and such. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, yeah. But did you find, uh, I know I saw also you went to a couple of the round tables. Like, did you find that that style of session is, is good? Like, I actually really enjoyed those this year. Uh, they had some multiplayer round tables where we talked about, you know, servers and how they work. And, uh, I thought that those were better than any of the talks, actually. Uh, yeah. Um, I went to, uh, one talk. I, I wanted to go to more round tables, but, uh, I couldn't quite schedule it right. Which was fine, it turns out, because there was a whole lot of work stuff I would have had to do in that uh, time yeah. spot anyway. But, um, yeah, the roundtables are, are, are nice. The the one talk I went to was unenlightening. <laughs> yeah, that's never good. <laughs> it definitely happens, though. Yeah. Well, it's it's the kind of thing, you know, someone might share insights that they have, but you already have them. Uh, so yeah. it's like, oh, okay, well, 
Nice try. Yeah. Um, but the the round table, I kind of like those because sometimes it's uh, it actually makes me feel a bit better about my own level of expertise. Where when I contribute, it actually seems rather pointed, and people keep saying, "No, you got it right, you got it right." And I I don't know, maybe that's my ego or my um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It helps combat imposter syndrome, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I definitely hear you on that. It's also nice to see, at least on the server one, like everyone comes from a different place, right? You got the guy who has like one server and he's like, yep, I got one. It's working okay. And then you got, you know, a guy from Blizzard who's like, I've got a thousand servers <laughs> and they're crazy. Uh, so it's kind of, and then, you know, trying to find like things to talk about is kind of interesting because obviously if we start talking about thousand server problems, the one server guy is just going to check out, but if we start talking about one server problems that are like very specific to one server, like the answer is have more than one server, then <laughs> other people will check out. So, so it was good. It was good. I think that, uh, I think it was, it was run by some guys from Naughty Dog. They kind of were curating the discussion. I thought they did a very good job of kind of keeping it moving and, and getting everyone kind of involved. So it was kind of cool. All right. Um, were there any particular, uh, like any individual or particular talks that, that, uh, you were looking forward to and, or were particularly enlightening or, or is it all kind of a blur for you right now? Yeah. I mean, uh, I would say there were, so I wasn't really, I didn't really go in with high expectations. I mean, this is, you know, not my first GDC and I feel like the talks with really impressive sounding titles oftentimes turn out to be crappy and <laughs> talks that are very unassuming turn out to be like amazing. Um, and I would say that this GDC, the overwatch talks were really great. Um, really like Shout out to the guys giving them and, and sort of the blizzard for letting them talk that much about how they did everything. Mm. But I felt like they really kind of walked us through the sausage factory, so to speak, and showed like kind of, hey, here's how we deal with lag. Here's how we deal with like game logic, like all sorts of kind of deep in details. And it was just like pretty, pretty cool to see. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah, that's um, actually so, that, that hits another one of the interesting points is, you know, letting them talk about this stuff, you know, a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of companies and a lot of people, individuals even, will try to keep things kind of close to the chest and proprietary. Yeah, so. for sure. Are there any yeah. companies that have a good reputation for being uh, open year on year, or does it sort of depend? Yeah, you know, I, you know, I think it depends. I mean, maybe someone a little more in touch with the, the, the talk schedule than me would, would have a different comment, but I would say that after this year, I would say Blizzard should have that reputation. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it was pretty cool. But yeah, like, like you were saying, I mean, I've never, the worst is when someone goes up at the end of a session and asks like a really good question, like good enough question that even though I'm already packing up and getting out of there, I like stop and I'm like, Ooh, I want to hear the answer to that question. And the speaker's like, unfortunately, I can't talk about that. You know, like, ah, uh. <laughs> so, you know, it's cool when companies kind of let you say what you need to say. Yeah. Apparently, I missed a really good talk from Bioware on QA stuff, but uh, there's another one that the schedule just didn't work out for me. Yeah, well, hopefully the vault recording is good. And yeah, good. I'll have to go and see if I can find that one or something. It's also kind of a pain because, uh, you know, I was... It's it's common practice for a company to, to buy... Let's say you have 10 people and you get, like, four badges... Uh, two of one kind and two of another, and you say, okay, you know, we're going to share these badges. You know, you hand it off to one person who wants to attend this thing that needs that badge, and then you hand it off to this other person who needs to attend this thing at that, with that badge. And yep. uh, it was only on Thursday that I realized I could reach out to one of my contacts who apparently had a all-access pass to everything... <laughs> <laughs> All oh, of the man. wheeling and dealing that I did for for badges for certain time spots was completely pointless. I'm like, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but I, I hear you. I mean that that system, the the like, you know, here the company gets some badges. Um, I mean, obviously it makes sense, like cost cutting, and you don't want your entire team just saying GDC week, we're out of here. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like you need to get input from the teams uh, because, yeah, like like you were saying, right, there are different badge types. And, like, for example, mm. you know, uh, our company got 
too many of the ones that are really only good on Monday, Tuesday. And so we had like, if you look on this, if you look on our spreadsheet, right, there's like some badges are completely unclaimed on Thursday, Friday, because they don't actually do anything on those days. And it's like, maybe we over provision there because they were also unclaimed on Monday and Tuesday because no one wanted to go on Monday and Tuesday. (laughs) Because you don't want to go all week. So that too. Yeah, exactly. And also the Uh, stuff on Monday and Tuesday was a bit more focused or limited. Like things really got going on Wednesday. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's, and that's the thing. It's like, that's, that's not different this year. That's kind of every year. It's sort of like that Monday and Tuesday is the, what, what do they call it? Uh, summits and tutorials and boot camps. boot camps yeah yeah most most of the live tweeting you did with nick was was wednesday and thursday yeah those were the days i was there right okay <laughs> right <laughs> yep that's so. actually that's actually why i reached out to, to my contacts to see if i could get a badge just to see if i could get back on the uh expo floor and and cover more of the stuff there nice yeah yeah yeah, yeah and that's the other thing right there's no expo on monday or tuesday yeah which uh which means that a lot of people <laughs> I think sometimes don't realize that and they check out one of those Monday, Tuesday badges and get there and they're like, Oh, <laughs> why am I even checking it out? Yeah. I um, was, I was talking with one guy at work who had that exact reaction. It's like, I was going to go to the expo, but it was Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The other thing was, I mean, our work didn't actually get any expo passes, which I mean, sure. I mean, I guess ostensibly, right. If you're going to go to a seminar or they're trying to say like, Oh, it's for seminars and learning. I get why they wouldn't do that. But, in reality, right? There are a lot of people who just want to check out the expo for two hours. Yeah. And uh, expo passes are the cheapest ones. So. And that's one of the things. Of those that help. That's one of the things that keeps striking me is that those the the passes, especially past the expo pass, are not cheap. Yeah. And there no, are a no, lot of people there. Yeah, for sure. Those are very expensive passes. Plus, they're like, I mean, I don't know if you see the seen the price chart. I think it's kind of funny. There's like, oh, you know, if you get it early. It's like a little bit expensive. If you get it like the month before, it's like pretty expensive. And then it's like, oh, you showed up here without a pass. Like, get ready to get destroyed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> man. It's jeez. Oh, I, I I was just spending a moment trying to come up with an estimate for what the attendance must have been. It's like I don't know, ten thousand. Yeah, it was definitely big. It was, yeah. it was felt big. Yeah, especially because you know, like you sh- like we've been saying is. You're not necessarily going to be there the entire time. Yeah. So very true. any sample that I saw with headcount would be okay. Maybe this is a third or something. Yeah. Like oh my definitely. God. And how many people are going to be well in attended. talks at any given moment? And you know, you can see in some of the pictures I took and posted on Twitter, there's a lot of people. And yeah. that's just who was free for the expo at the time, really. So exactly. Yeah. No. Just. Pretty, pretty big. I, I, I'm curious. <laughs> One, how yep. much it costs to shut down the Moscone Center for a week. <laughs> yeah, that can't be cheap. <laughs> no, no. Um, and setting all that up is, I, 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 you know, in case it sounds like this, I'm not trying to uh, say there's any graft or anything going on, but I, I'm just really curious to know how this gets itemized, what all the, the, the <laughs> pluses and minuses are. Yeah, gain and loss. for sure. I'm also curious, I mean, you know, uh, San Francisco is building that subway, the central subway, mm. which that's the one stop is right in the middle of Moscone uh, between north and south. I think. Oh, is that what they were building? That's yeah, exactly. That's that big hole they had there. It's uh-huh. going to be a subway station. So I feel like, you know, people are I've definitely read articles. People were like, I don't understand why we were even building this thing. Like it doesn't go anywhere. But at least for GDC, it definitely goes like right from where all the hotels are to the Moscone Center. So mm. it'll be a use at least one week a year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I was actually surprised how much construction was going around in uh, San Francisco. I haven't I haven't been in the city for a while. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that, the downtown areas is really going a lot. So yeah. but you also, that's, you're wading into dangerous political territory talking about building things in San Francisco. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's definitely... I, I'm not trying to get political. I was just saying I was surprised. So, no, for sure. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I was gonna say one last fun note about the pass. I don't know if, if you managed <clears throat> to read the fine print on the back, but it has maybe my favorite thing, which is like, you know, treat this pass as cash. If you lose it, you'll be subject to a replacement fee equal to the value of the pass. 
That's not a replacement fee. Yeah, exactly. It's like, uh, so I think you mean you're going to make me buy another one. Okay. <laughs> replacement fee. Yeah. It's I mean, like I guess maybe it's fees. Like, yeah, I guess maybe they put that because, like, if it's sold, if they ever sold out, you would be able to get your same pass again. Like, mm. you wouldn't, they wouldn't be like, oh, we're out of those now, too bad. So it is technically a replacement, but yeah, like the full value, right? So. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's also the case of like, oh, I have it. Here, I handed it to this other guy. Oh, I yeah. lost mine. Right, right. For sure. That's definitely, people would definitely play that game. Yeah. yeah. It's a good point. Because, you know, we're in the games industry. We're going to play the game. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, Sad so you, but true. You play guys, man. You're always coming up with ways to break the system. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. At least when we're good at it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, did you check out any of the uh, expo exhibits, Damon? Um, a little bit, yeah. I mean, you know, being an engineer, I, I like to clothe myself exclusively in free T-shirts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, no, so I, I took a pass around, and, uh, you know, I did pick up a few T-shirts. Um, there were actually a surprising number of booths offering socks, which... I actually really? didn't get any of, but I need socks, so I kind of am now kicking myself because I saw some some company photos of cool swag and people were like, look at these socks, and I was like, ah, I need more socks. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was cool, and I did the the VR exhibit, um, the the Oculus one, which it's funny. I think every year, like the line gets shorter as as more people who would wait in that line yeah, actually well, buy the thing. I, that's one of the things <laughs> I noticed was because. Um, for the past several years, there's been a whole lot of really long lines for a couple of VR exhibits and a couple of those weird, like, the huge kind of stage that they had set up for the past couple of years with guys running around on those absolutely not treadmill yep. things. And that one wasn't <laughs> right. there this year. The Oculus yeah. booth was still really big. In fact, it was a completely new booth this year. I think the past couple of years they reused their booth. But... um uh, there were so many additional uh, uh, VR displays that the demand was so much lower that they didn't draw those huge lines this time. For sure, yeah. It was actually kind of nice. I mean, uh, myself and a coworker went to the expo like sort of at the end of the day on Wednesday, and the line was, you know, like 10 people. And we were like, cool, like I'll wait in a 10-person line. Because in the past years, I've kind of always been turned off by like, you know, get in line now and you'll you'll get to try it before the end of the day sort of thing. Yeah, right? It's like this, this multi wrapped around lines. And it's like, I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. I get it. It's cool. But uh, that's that's too much commitment, too much time commitment for a, a 15 minute demo for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think, yeah, I think like you're saying, like they have a bigger booth. I think it was bigger this year. It's felt bigger. Uh, also, there are other booths now. There's more VR around. So it's kind of distributed. And then uh People actually have them, right? People are buying those things. Yeah, so. yeah. That's that was one of the things that I was most curious about going into GDC was what was going to happen with those demos because people do have them now. Yeah, yeah. So Especially you wind up with like, uh, yeah. hmm? oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say was you wind say up it. with some more uh, interesting stuff that are, or experiments going on, like the uh, 3D haptic demo. I tried that one out. Yeah. And um, it at its best, if you kind of let yourself. I don't know, lose yourself to it. You can get some sensations, but uh, I don't know if you tried that, that one. Uh, was that the sound wave one? Uh, I don't know. That was um, kind of on the front wall to the left near the corner. Um, they they gave you these things that looked a little bit like Wiimotes, um, oh, okay. but you put your finger, you put your thumb on a couple of analog uh, joysticks and right, right. you know you put a vr helmet on and you're kind of like going uh, like you're following a ball as it goes down a slope and hits some other stuff and it kind of they the thumbsticks themselves not the whole uh controller but the thumbsticks will vibrate and kind of give you a sense of direction hmm. and that's interesting it, i didn't try that one yeah did either of you try the uh, integrated eye tracking a couple of companies had uh, that actually integrated into HTC Vive headsets and we're demoing that on the floor apparently. Yeah, I saw it. I didn't try it. It was one of those ones with a line that I didn't I wasn't particularly interested <laughs> in uh losing time to. Yeah, no, I also did not give that one a go. There's there's yeah. a there's a lot of stuff there to take a look at. Yeah. For sure. Um but yeah, I mean I thought the the Oculus setup was cool, right? You had four games to choose from, so I guess 
the line was so short, I could have gone back four times. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I watched a coworker uh, playing the robot one, where I mean, you're basically like you're shooting robots and they're running all around you. And uh, he was getting really into it. There are a couple of videos we have. It's it's pretty it's pretty epic. Um, but he's it's funny because he's kind of a lanky guy, and so <laughs> they actually had to move the line because they were afraid he'd start accidentally punching people. <laughs> <laughs> and then. At the end of the demo, um, like a robot, I guess, like reaches like from behind you and it kind of shocked him. And he actually jumped like in real life and almost uh, almost like took out the whole display. <laughs> so it was it was pretty hilarious. But I mean, honestly, you know, if someone was recording that, you could sell that as like a, a viral advertising video. Like it's so real that this guy actually dove away from a virtual robot. And, and he's <laughs> and he's not a dumbass. He's he's actually, yeah. you know. Someone who knows what's right. going on. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty funny. Um, you need waivers signed to get these demos done yeah. pretty soon. <laughs> right, pretty soon, yeah. But uh, but no, yeah, it was, it was cool. But yeah, I was I mentioned this. Uh, I also didn't get to check this other one out, but one of my colleagues did. Apparently, there's a, a company that's making like a VR accessory that uses sound waves to make like essentially the space in front of you like feel like something. Like it makes it the air vibrate. Mm. So you can kind of get a sensation, and uh, I'm glad that one is actually the one I regret missing because the just like the concept of that to me seems it's like that's what Star Trek was, right? That's yeah. like that's a force field. So yeah, <laughs> yeah there's um yeah. there was something I saw that looked like it was supposed to be that, but it was um when I got closer and looked, it looked like it was basically wiring up a glove to have motion controls on it. Hmm. Okay. I, I thought it was supposed to be the glove was going to give you like pressure feedback for when you touch something with the in the uh, you know physical VR space. You physical VR space. It sounds like a contradiction in terms, but I think it gets the point across. Um, yeah, yeah. I saw that thing running. I'm like, oh my god, it's it's the power glove again. <laughs> well, because the power glove tracked when you moved your fingers. That's and true. and it, and it, right, and it yeah. ideally was supposed to also track where your hand was, so it's straight up the power yeah. glove. <laughs> Jesus, like Nintendo. Th- that's what's weird about some of Nintendo stuff is that they're so bizarrely ahead of their time in some cases. VR headset, yeah, they were there in the '90s. Yeah, uh, your your motion tracking, yeah, they were there in the '80s. You know, weird. Yeah, yeah it's true. Well, other fun Nintendo anecdote: uh, the original Nintendo. Used to, was going to have uh, internet. It was going to be wired. Um, Jesus. And huh. they they did a test thing in I, I forget Minnesota, Michigan, one of the Great Lake M states. I'm sure that someone from there right now is like, you motherfucker, you don't know. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, basically the the like one of the only apps they had on there was virtual poker or some other form of like gambling. And the the that when they did the the trial run, parents got so upset that their kids were learning how to gamble that they just like, they killed the whole thing. And Nintendo <laughs> was like, so like shocked by what happened that they were just like, all right, no internet for the U S get out of here. <laughs> so that's a, that's a fun story. Oh, Jesus. And then, yeah, in a different world, uh, you know, if they had maybe done the trial market in Vegas instead, right. <laughs> yeah. Nintendo yeah. would be one of our big ISPs. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not just game service, internet service provider. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, man, the directions the world can go. Yeah, pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, one of the other uh, things that I, I actually find really interesting on the expo floor, it's not on the main expo floor with all this other stuff, but the um, the the other side one with all the um, sort of like recruiting booths and stuff is that uh, Control-Alt-GDC display. Uh, did you take a hmm. look at those, Damon, or did you even hit that hall? Uh, yeah, I don't think I did. I, th- I think I saw it and I think there were lines and I kind of went the other way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they, there were a lot of entries and they get kind of packed in tight. Uh, but some of them are pretty interesting. Um, cause you know, the whole concept is, is coming up with weird alternative control schemes cool. for a game concept. Mm. So you wind up with some, some weird things going on. I think one of the most interesting ones I saw because it was, it seemed to be one of the most fully realized 
and uh, applicable to, say, an arcade machine was called Zombie Crawler. And that was the one that had, like, a treadmill in front of you. And on the video screen, you're a zombie trying to crawl across the floor to get at somebody to eat them. <laughs> and, you, and you move forward, and there's obstacles there, and you have to hit buttons to kind of smash the obstacles away. Cool. It, That's kind of neat. Yeah. yeah. It seemed like it would be actually be a good fit for, like, a ticket machine. You didn't get to try out the cardboard box uh, control scheme simulator we talked about? So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I saw it. I got a picture of it. It did not. Um, I did not feel like uh, putting myself into a cardboard box that did not appear to be registering its controls particularly well to play to play pretend that I am a space fighter pilot. <laughs> on top of which, I'm not a small guy. And, on top of which, I'm not a small guy, and getting into that box probably would have been a trick. Ah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, one of the ones I, you know, a lot of them I just kind of wanted to go around and see, and I wanted to see that um, Schadenfreude one in action, but they didn't have enough people at the time, so I volunteered to play. And uh, that one was, I, I described it as co-op mastermind for anyone who's played mastermind. Mm. Uh, okay. Yeah, the idea is you got five people on the elevator, uh, three people need to make it to the correct floor. And two people are trying to screw them up, and you get de- you get these little decks of cards because apparently there's really only one game, um, and so there aren't any variables. It's just a matter of how you play it out. So if you know what the cards are, you 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 know know how to solve everything. But you want to try to get when I say co-op, I mean kind of like those players versus the board type games like Battlestar Galactica, where you know someone can wind up being a Cylon or working with the board. So you right, have right. Uh, bad actors trying to work against the players trying to get to their floor on time. Hmm. And uh, one person controls the elevator. They pick two of the other uh, people. There's five players total. And you say, okay, you go to this floor and you want to go to this floor. And if the person selecting the floors is correct or, or picks people who actually need to go to their floors, everyone gets to their floors on time and the people who actually need to do it win or whatever there's a really long explanation for what's actually not that complicated a game but uh, so so basically you have one guy trying to figure out which two people to pick and there's two people who he should pick and two people who he shouldn't pick yeah okay unless of course the person because you can also change who's hitting the buttons ah okay got it so can a bad actor get in charge of hitting the buttons and then it's just like ha. yeah okay Interesting. Uh, yeah, I tried that one out. Um, I also watched someone play Victor the Loser. That was the one, Jeff, we talked about where it's oh. like the arcade machine that was going to screw with you. Fighting against you in every way, yes. Yeah, it, uh, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't as interesting. At least I didn't see anyone get it to anything as interesting as some of the descriptors were because it was just, uh, you know, you got... It asks you a question, you have like six or seven possibilities, you try to hit the correct answer inside like ten seconds, and a lot of the questions are pretty kind of tricky. Um, and the only thing I saw it do was hit the button of the wrong answer before the person could answer. Right. So, yeah. So, Damon, this is that was one where, like, the machine itself, if you start doing well, it starts cheating against you. Yeah. Like, sore, overtly sore and physically. Yeah. Definitely an interesting concept. Yeah, but the the description sounded like it was also gonna you know drop flags in front of your face so you can't read or ah. <laughs> do all kinds of other stuff. And I had this impression of this like super tricked out arcade cabinet from like a, a Looney Tunes cartoon or something. <laughs> like, right, right. Oh, that would have been way more interesting. But you know, <laughs> I, I recognize that this is an experiment, so I'm not going to be you know upset. Yeah, for sure. No, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Did you did you get to check out any of the uh, the board games or the indie mega booth? The the indie mega booth being the the one at the front there where they have all of the um, the uh, IGF entries. Oh no, not that one. Uh, it's the one. It was in the third floor of the the lecture area. Oh, uh, that. Uh, and it's like a bunch of this. They have a bunch of TVs and and some indie games going. Uh only very briefly as i was walking by 
to get to a talk. Right on. Yeah, I, I spent a few minutes in there. I always feel like those those booths are kind of like they're they're cool. Like and I, and I appreciate obviously we're showcasing some some new indie games. Um, is always great to see, but the format kind of leads to this weird behavior, right? Where you have like one or two or three games, which are actually designed like, Oh, it's couch co-op and it's funny. And you have 50 people like right there. And literally like the TV behind it is like, I made a strategy game and there's like one guy sitting there playing. Uh And it's like, just this weird dynamic of you're like, I mean, both games could both be amazing, but like clearly one is actually like suited for this mega booth format. Yeah. It makes it look so like popular. And the other one is like, that guy wants to be at home at his desk, like just playing. Right. Yeah. And so I always find that kind of funny. Yeah. Well, I mean that kind of, like you said, it's just the type of game and the type of presentation. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. That was cool. And then, yeah, there was the thread. You said there was the IGF thing. Uh, I saw those games, but I had to walk, I had to walk through them to get to one of the round tables, but uh, I didn't get a chance to check them out. Yeah. That's, um, I, I checked out some of them last year. I probably should have checked out some of them this year because there's some of these games that uh, I don't know what they are, and I did go mm-hmm. to the award show on Wednesday. <laughs> so uh, like I'm like I, I'm aware of what 1979 Revolution is. I'm aware of what Overcooked is. I'm aware of what Inside is. I'm aware of what Stardew Valley is, and mm-hmm. I think that's pretty much of <laughs> all of the nominees. Yeah, I, I have most of one category's worth of titles that I'm kind of aware of what they are. <laughs> so how, how was the award show? All right. I mean, one of the things that always strikes me about the the uh, GDC awards shows is how pretty on time they are. Like, they were on a pretty tight ship. One of these long, rambling speeches? No, no, no. They only had one long speech, and he got played off by music. <laughs> <laughs> like after two minutes you're like that's enough turn on the music he's done <laughs> and he actually just stopped mid-sentence and walked away <laughs> oh man that's good at least he got the cue yeah i or mean the, for, like, for real most 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 of the exception speeches don't even take as long as it takes for them to get up on stage and walk back mm. they're they're pretty quick in fact in fact i quoted one in a tweet in its entirety it was something like this is amazing thank you so much and (laughs) done (laughs) yeah some of them they get a little clever like uh one of the audio awards uh, i think it was for goner on the igf uh, awards Mm. like came in and started playing some like crappy audio file from a synthesizer into the microphone so it sounded you know ironic that he won the audio award and he's playing this low sample rate file into a microphone. <laughs> so was yeah. it true that no one was there to actually accept the No Man's Sky Innovation Award? Like, what, Oh, yeah, that's true. Dead air? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, uh, Tim Schaefer just kind of accepted it on their behalf. It's <laughs> funny. Yeah, actually, I will also say that Tim Schaefer was a, a rather delightful host. He's nice and witty at the right points, didn't take up too much time, didn't take too much focus. So that was very pleasant. He had he had the right jokes in the right spots, too. Actually had me laughing out loud at one or two points, and no, I can't remember what the jokes were that did that to me. <laughs> Are there any big surprises for you in terms of the, the winners? Uh, I mean, I, there's quite a few here, Nick, that matched up with your expectations from when we talked about it. Um... Including Pokemon Go winning for best mobile game. <laughs> yeah. I would say nothing really surprised me so much as surprise, like some of the crowd reactions surprised oh, me. Oh, okay. You know, um, which one was it? Yeah. Basically, that over, like nobody really cheered for Overwatch. Hmm. I mean, maybe, Weird. I mean, I, the thing is, the crowd isn't exactly disrespectful or anything. Like, for any winner, they will cheer, you know, because, you know, they're the winner for for this uh, award. So, sure. But generally, when Overwatch was announced as a nominee, the audience reactions were pretty lukewarm. (laughs) What category was that for? Uh, It got nominated for Best Visual Art, Best Audio, Best Design, Best Technology, and game of the year. Yeah, gotcha. 
and it won best design in game of the year. Hmm. Hmm. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe you know, sometimes I think there's also fatigue, right? If it's if they're talking, it's the fifth time it's nominated. If you're like, yeah, we get it. It's good. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, no. I mean. That that was the story of last year when her story just kept winning award after award after award after award after award, mm-hmm. and the guy kept coming up. It's like I don't have anything more to say. Thank you. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> that game was just by one dude. Um, yes, it's not like he can send a second guy up. <laughs> yeah, more background. Um, um, let's see. Yeah, it. Uh, but in particular, like. I first noticed it when they were going over the, uh, you know, they space out announcing the nominees for Game of the Year over the uh, Game Developers Choice Awards section of the show. And when Overwatch was mentioned the first time, there was, like, almost no reaction at all. Hmm. So fatigue hadn't really set in yet. Um, Yeah. Battlefield 1 took the audience award, I see. Yeah. Um, There was a lot of jokes about... uh, did you know there was an audience award? Did you vote for it? <laughs> and when the guy came up to accept his, like, I, I, I'm glad that one of you out there voted for this or something like that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm happy to win the award that no one knew was a thing. So clearly, while they run a tight ship, there is some, you know, participation and organizational things that can probably be shored up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're very good, at least on the for when you go to a talk about uh, mentioning the surveys. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which, from my understanding, uh, we actually one of my coworkers actually volunteers. He's one of those the purple shirt guys yeah. who you know helps you out. Uh, said that they actually do really read those to figure out what they should do next year. Um, but I'm kind of remiss since since I've been borrowing people's passes to get in. I don't think a single survey actually got sent to me. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, whenever they whenever they mention those, I I keep wondering. It's like, okay, do these get handed out, or do we have to go somewhere to do that? Yeah, they they email you uh, mm-hmm. if the pass is registered. Well, they email whoever the pass is registered to. Okay. So, you know, which is also kind of ironic. Like I was thinking about it, and I was like, well, you know, I didn't go to any recruiting talks, but if I had, like, my boss would have just straight up gotten an email, like, how do you rate working at Blizzard? It's like, uh. <laughs> 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 awkward, awkward moment there. <laughs> uh, okay, let's see here. Yeah. Uh, anything else that I really wanted to cover here? Um, I think one of the weirdest things in... Well, first of all, I still want to say Doom not winning best audio bothers me. Because mm-hmm. uh, that, that soundtrack, that soundtrack is just so perfect. And I'm not even necessarily sure. Like, I listened to a little bit of the other music from the composer i can't remember his name off the top of my head but it sounds like it's not that he composed the perfect music for doom so much as he makes the perfect music for doom like it's the same kind of stuff all over the place at least from the sample of what i heard and picking him for doom was super perfect Mm. but uh i don't know i haven't played inside maybe the audio there is just awesome i just i i have difficulty imagining Man, Doom's soundtrack is just so perfect. That's that's <laughs> all. Mm. Also, um, man, Hyperlight Drifter got a lot of support from the crowd for only winning one award. Yeah, definitely has a uh, loyal fan base, that game. Mm. Also, I still don't know how to pronounce... Is it Oikenspiel? <laughs> don't ask me. I don't know what that symbol is. O-I-K-O something P-I-E-L. <laughs> so... Anyhow, yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if uh, the VR AR game uh, category is still around next year, because, man, these things just slide around a bunch, and where it goes from here, because I would imagine, as a game, Fantastic Contraption would be more interesting as a VR AR game than Job Simulator. Pokemon Go is probably a better AR game, certainly more influential. Super Hot VR sure sounds interesting. Res Infinite's not that intriguing i've actually played that one so that kind of goes to show how thin the category is this year but i think job simulator won almost entirely because it's funny (laughs) yeah i mean i mean you can probably just watch uh conan o'brien's clueless gamer segment 
for VR and the job simulator segment there and be like, okay, that's pretty much the whole thing. I mean, there's some more playground stuff that you can do there, like putting your VR hand into the copy machine and get another hand out. Or something. <laughs> nice. Nice. But, uh, yeah, that one almost certainly just because it's uh, funny. Also, apparently I need to try Inside and Firewatch. That's one of the uh, lessons I've taken from this year. Mm. I mean, success at the GDC Awards is why I played Her Story, because that won so many things. I'm like, well, I, I guess I got to check it out. Yeah, uh, for sure. That's, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it did, it did a really good last year, right? Oh, yeah. It won, like, seven awards or something. It's absurd. Yeah. <sighs> also, I, I, I didn't want to bring this up on the on the live tweets but i it would be weird if i never mentioned it it was also quite clear that the crowd at the award show was definitely not politically neutral <laughs> not a surprise yeah. no no kidding uh yes there were there were several award winners making jokes and and a few other comments um here and there that showed that the place was i don't know Homogenous is probably over strong a word, but uh, of like mind on certain political topics, and I suppose I'll just leave it at that for now. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, also you get a lot of uh, a lot of global political opinion, right? I mean, that's one thing I do like about GDC is it's definitely an international conference. Mm-hmm. There's I mean, probably still there's probably a uh, heavier focus on North American and even heavier on. West Coast development just because it's in San Francisco. Yeah, very true. And, and therefore just more convenient. Yep, that is true. Although I, I find, I remember, <clears throat> I remember it's international every year at a minimum when I go to an Ubisoft talk and for sure it's a French Canadian or, <laughs> or a French person speaking English. And, and actually, you know, uh, I guess it's kind of patronizing thing to say, but like their English this year was excellent. Like I've definitely been to Ubisoft talks where I like don't know what the guy is saying. Um, and I'm like, ah, this is unfortunate because it seems interesting. But this year, there were great speakers, so mm. that was that was nice. Yeah, there's a, a there's a surprisingly large QA industry in Toronto, mm. and there were several people from there in some of the QA talks that I went to, and they they were there was one that I actually had almost no accent uh, of any kind. Really, I mean, he had he had a. <laughs> well, I'd say he more along the lines had a um, idiosyncratic way of speaking, less than an accent. He would just talk really fast and then pause, talk really fast and then pause, kind of a thing. But at one point, he said, "Hold on, hold on, I'm thinking in French right now," because <laughs> he had to struggle for the correct word. Funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, there's a. There's a pretty big, pretty big uh, Canadian game industry. Actually, I, I was talking to someone at the conference about it, and and one thing they mentioned that I didn't know is so you know how uh, maybe you may be familiar that Canada does like block grants, like they give money to game developers. Mm. Yep. Yeah. And but one of the things I didn't know is that uh, if they give you money, the IP that they're funding has to always be made in Canada. Like the Canadian government has like exclusive development rights to that IP, hmm. so that's why uh, Rainbow Six has to be made in Canada. Apparently, someone told me that. I don't know if it's true. I didn't fact check, but I wouldn't be surprised. There's usually strings attached to these things. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty smart. Like uh, probably not enough strings attached to uh, a certain baseball player's foray into game development. <laughs> no, <laughs> indeed not. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Um, anything else anyone want to, I don't know, Jeff, you got any questions about uh, GDC? Uh, just wondering, I, I, I've been hearing some buzz about the war for Mordor, uh, sorry, the, uh, well, I guess that's meant to be the sequel to that uh, first Shadow Mordor game. Was, was it, uh, was it demoed on the floor at all? Like, uh, or is it just that the trailer came out, uh, at the, around the same time as GDC, because I, I heard a lot about that thing coterminous with the event itself. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see anything there. Um, it's that doesn't mean it wasn't there though. Uh, mm. Like I said, that floor is pretty big, uh, and yeah. it's possible that it was being demoed like 
in one of those really big booths um, inside it or something. Like, yeah, yeah. Like that Unity booth is 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 huge. The Oculus booth is huge. The Epic booth mm. is pretty big. The Amazon Lumberyard area is huge. So yep. I can't I can't say for certain. I didn't check out every monitor or anything like that. But mm. um, there was certainly no, you know, War of Mordor big banner thing anywhere. Yeah. If there was, I'd yeah. be very embarrassed that I missed it. Yeah, I didn't see anything either. So we can both we can be embarrassed together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was um uh it was probably just an announcement that happened about the same time because GDC that if you're gonna announce something like that and make it a big push at the convention. That's more of an E3 thing than a GDC thing. Cause GDC is yeah, a lot yeah. more about showing off the technology. Yeah. It just stood out because I wasn't hearing too much about specific games other than that one for some reason. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I was hearing more about like uh, Nvidia hardware <laughs> than, than <laughs> any game related stuff, to be honest. Yeah. The, a lot of that hardware stuff is probably a lot more of what you're going to get out of, um, out of GDC. Actually, yeah. a couple of things. I, I wanted to go over a couple of the other uh, Control L GDC entries uh, before I forget. Um, one of them, I, and I, I wish I had had more time to take a look at this one, but it was the one about like pulling the trigger book off the bookshelf. Uh, we talked about that one, Jeff. And um, yes, yes. <laughs> every time I saw someone there, it's they they were standing on a platform in front of a a mock or, or a stage or mock bookshelf. And there was in this mock bookshelf a monitor showing something, and the players were looking down, reading a book. <laughs> this is thoroughly not photogenic. I don't know what's going on. Maybe they're looking for the right. Tra- I have no idea. And that was just really weird. And the one that I did not get a picture of, and I wish I had because it was intriguing, and I was trying to to get some representation of everything, every display, but um, one where. The control was a sandbox, and it would scan the topography of the sand and translate that into the game. Yes, yeah. So mm. I saw someone there who was just like, you know, shoving sand around, and it was showing up in that format on the screen. I'm not exactly sure what the objective was, but uh, it seemed to work. It was pretty neat. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I don't know if there was anything in the sand or if it was just... Um, a visual scanner of some sort, you know, laser oh. rangefinder, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. something like that could work. Yeah, but yeah. Was, it, there I, you go. I, I, I gotta say, I looked at that. I'm like, oh, this is probably quite a bit of what Molyneux wanted Gotus to be like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Uh, I, I don't, I don't even know if Gotus is still in development. I, I, I've actually tried to look it up a couple of times since I've written about it. And it's like, I, there, there's like nothing there. Yeah. I'm over there next hearing thing. something, but I don't, yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Well, Off the top of my head. anything else going on in the news? Anyone? Uh, I know Jeff, you were talking a bit about the switch. Yeah. Just reading a lot of the initial impressions of people of, I, I don't watch unboxings cause I have better things to do with my time, but uh, <laughs> I, uh, I've been reading some, um, you know, mixed things about it. Uh, day one patch that apparently uh, resolved some potential issues with uh, one of the Joy-Cons and then other people saying that it still hasn't been resolved. Uh, I'm not normally one to uh, buy into day one anyway, but yeah, I'm just interested to see how some of this stuff, rumored or otherwise, gets resolved. Um, I, there's some people that have been very uh, complimentary of the motion control stuff, uh, which you know is not really what interested me the most about it. But um, yeah, uh, it, it'll be interesting to see uh, over the coming weeks what the consensus is about it. Uh, I mean, one thing people definitely aren't thrilled about is the uh, is your account being a 12-digit numerical code instead of a username like it is on everyone else's. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, storefronts that I, I don't get that at all. Uh, and I, I agree that's a backward step. Um, but yeah, I'm hearing good things about the screen, even if there are some concerns about it being scratched, but I, I mean, isn't that an issue for every screen based device these days? Uh, mm. hearing complaints from some people who have big hands versus small hands, which, you know, <laughs> to each his own, 
but uh, yeah, keeping an eye on things. I, you know, if, if I if I jump in with a switch, it, it won't be until Christmas. At which point, it would have you know enough games to make the argument for me anyway. And I would hope all these uh, teething issues would be resolved by then. But uh, it's interesting. Uh, Nintendo launch is always uh, interesting. I, when was the last time there was a boring Nintendo launch? <laughs> it's uh, uh, GameCube. Uh, well, yeah, actually, I guess that one was pretty uh, pretty sedate. Um, but yeah, uh, I'll be keeping an eye on it. I'm sure it'll be a topic we come back to at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I keep hearing concerns about the connectivity with the left Joy-Con. Yes. Yep. It seems really weird that it'd be just one and not both. Yeah. Or routinely one rather than alternating or, you know, it, it is, I don't know. It just seems really weird. But um, it. I think what's going to be kind of interesting about it is since it's built on a lot of mobile tech, how long until someone, you know, mods it to run Android OS? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'd be, I don't know, maybe it'll be the best Android platform ever. It's got yeah, well, built-in I mean, controllers and got, stuff. It's only got, what, Ouya to beat, right? So. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the of competition. <laughs> No, <laughs> I actually meant like in comparison to other tablets and phones and things. I mean, sure, hell, sure. the Nvidia Shield controller game thing is better than an Ouya. Jeez, that's true. <laughs> Nvidia Shield is actually pretty nice. I, they they should get some props for that. That's yeah. true. Um, yeah, I don't know. For me, I think like all Nintendo consoles kind of live and die by the quality of the IP games that come out, right? Like yeah. the next Mario yeah, is amazing, yeah. and then there's like a really good Mario Kart, and then you're like, okay. There's Mario and there's Mario Kart and there's Zelda. Like, let's buy it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's everything about the Zelda one sounds pretty interesting. It's already inspiring some speedrunners to try to go right to the end because apparently there's nothing that stops you. Huh. You, you can yes. just go right to the boss with three hearts and no weapon or whatever. <laughs> interesting. I'm going to beat funny. Ganon with a stick. Yeah. Well, hey, I've seen it. I've seen people who beat Dark Souls without leveling up, right? So yeah. If you can do that, I'm sure you can probably beat this one. Mm. It's uh, it's rough to try to beat Dark Souls without leveling up. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, like, Demon Souls might be a bit easier because there's a few bosses that you can cheese. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it'd be funny if someone tries to do that. I'd, I'd say beat Ganon with a stick just made me think of... Uh, Trying to chase Ganon off, he starts running, yelling, "Help! He's got a board with a nail in it." <laughs> uh, ah, Simpsons references. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I, I am potentially interested in trying Breath of the Wild. I am interested in seeing how well One Two Switch catches on, yeah. and um, checking out these different ways of interacting with the system. And I agree with Judge Greg. I don't know why people are trying to taste the cartridges. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a mystery. Man, I don't know. They, they flavored them, right? That was that's the thing. So I feel <laughs> so like kids won't eat them. So so kids won't eat them, but of course now adults know they're flavored, and they're like, well, how bad could it be? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that like what people do? Like, oh, I just made this thing. It's disgusting. Try it. <laughs> Oh, this smells awful. Here, smell. Yeah, exactly. So, we need to share our misery and pain. Exactly, exactly. That's, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, I heard. I heard. I read on Reddit uh, that I guess they use a similar chemical to what they put in the the no nail biting nail polish. Oh. And so, yeah, if you lick it, <laughs> it will be unpleasant. I suppose. I mean, I'll take people's word for it. I guess. <laughs> Uh, Although I guess, hey, that helps with counterfeiting, right? If you lick your cartridge and it's not terrible, then you probably didn't buy it from a reputable <laughs> seller. <laughs> so are we going to have Hong Kong uh, 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 pirates starting to flavor their stuff like strawberries or something? Yeah, right, exactly. No, it doesn't taste bad. No, it actually tastes good. And then you have reports of kids choking on uh, uh, switch carts. And then you realize they're all choking on freaking <laughs> pirated cartridges or something. Exactly. I'm going to be so depressed if that turns out to happen. Oh, man. No, I'll just be depressed when the first comment is like, no sympathy for those who buy pirated cartridges. <laughs> oh, 
It's like, wow. Buyer God. beware. Exactly. You can always you can always count on the internet comment section to bring out the best in humanity, right? <laughs> Oi. Yeah, I am. Yeah, uh, I. I the the switch is just so weird. I, I am interested in seeing all of where it goes and where things wind up going. So I mean, it sounds like they're they're doing a big push to try to get indie developer support. Which yeah, you know, if it's running on all the same stuff as say an Android device would be, then I don't know. Maybe that'll that'll work well. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think the switch is getting Shovel Knight. Yeah, oh, I heard that. Yeah, I, that, that's like that. uh, I'm impressed because that's that's definitely the sort of game that I think would really. Uh, work well on that system. Yeah, I yeah, mean, it's definitely. not like Shovel Knight isn't deeply inspired by an NES classic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to the point where yeah. Death Battle had Shovel Knight versus Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's, that's pretty smart. I mean, I feel like that was always the quote-unquote Nintendo problem was like third-party support because the consoles were kind of underpowered compared to Microsoft and Sony. And it's like, yeah. but sometimes like, but, do you really want to play Call of Duty on the Wii? Like, I don't. Like, I want to play something like innovative, right? That's why, that's why that console is what it is. So, yeah. yeah so encouraging the little guys. I mean, right? It's like, hey, if you build a cool indie game that takes advantage of the Switch controls and is, you know, Switch only, then hopefully, hopefully you'll be rewarded with, you know, some success, right? Yeah, and People I think that's. That was one of the problems that the Wii and the Wii U had too. Is if they weren't very friendly to the innovative indie crowd, you know, the stuff that the people who make small, weird, interesting things, that's yeah. the kind of people who would really experiment with your hardware and kind of show mm. everyone what it's capable of. And that's really where the Wii U failed. I mean, the Wii kind of fell off into shovelware because it lacked that, and the Wii U like never really had anything to demonstrate possibilities with this hardware uh, setup. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Those that's exactly those those type of innovative consoles, right? It's like you really just need the software to move them. And, and Nintendo has that advantage of like, I mean, come on, you know, there's going to be Mario, you know, there's going to be a Zelda, like, yeah, etc. Maybe F Zero X might, you know, appear out of nowhere. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. It's been it's been a decade, like, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, they've got those IPs that'll that'll kind of get people interested and then yeah a couple good indie games right yeah and the indie games tend not to be so hardware uh dependent well in the sense of they're not so they they don't uh they don't require high specs as much you know crypt of the necrodancer that's not gonna you know actually um the classic cannibals sometimes i wonder if you could have made that for the atari 2600 i mean not with those graphics clearly but you know could that have gotten away with that yeah i'm pretty sure you could actually uh it's funny you mentioned that there's actually uh oh man, what's it called? Uh I wanna say it's called Skeleton Plus, but that may be wrong. But someone recently went back and like tried to make the most technically intensive game you can make on an Atari. Uh-huh. Like mm-hmm. like maxing it out. Uh and if I remember correctly, this was like I think I saw this this cartridge like a couple of years ago. Maybe five years ago. I don't know. I'm old now. Can't remember. But uh <laughs> but uh it had like pretty, it was like, it's kind of 3D, like graphic. I mean, obviously it's very, you know, just drawing lines on the screen, but it was like 3D. I think they, they claimed to have like directional audio. Hmm. I was like, you know, wow, 2600, like had some power, I guess. <laughs> it's, huh. it's about using it in the most efficient way possible. I mean, that's the way, uh, uh, what was it? Retro City Rampage? Yeah. The one that, uh, <laughs> yeah. that got released to look like it was an NES game, and then it got reworked and reworked and reworked till the point where it could have run on an NES. That's right. Yeah, they did do that. I remember that. Yeah. Plus, I mean, so, although some of those people cheated because you could, because it's the cartridge, right? I mean, it has contacts and whatnot. They could, you could put uh, co-processor in the cartridge itself. <laughs> oh. There were there were some games that did that. Yeah. Well, on top of or which, put, I mean, like, that was with the memory in the cartridge. That's what the V. Uh, that's what the FX chip was. The Super FX the Super chip Nintendo, was on the yeah. Super NES, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's one of those weird advantages that the cartridges had. Instant loading. You could yep. just add more processing power into the cartridge itself. Yeah, very true. And uh, a bunch of people always give uh, Nintendo crap for sticking with cartridges uh, for the Nintendo 64, but you know what? I'll, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. PlayStation 1 games did not age well at all. No. 
That's true. Try, yeah. try, nope. try and go back and play Maybe not your Final Fantasy VII's or, you know, a couple other the really high-end ones, but play one of your, you know, standard-issue PlayStation 1 games and try to not bleed out of your eyes. <laughs> yeah. And Ray, then go back Ray and Man play a Nintendo PS1? 64 Ooh. game and be like, oh, this is so much more pleasant. It's not like I'm sanding my retinas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I try to I try to avoid that. I, I find that my nostalgia goggles are pretty strong. <laughs> and it's it's funny, too, now sometimes when, like, at, oh, man, I had a friend who I remember uh, when the when the Halo Master Collection came out, which had right ahead <laughs> Halo 1 all remastered and nice, but you could push a button and it would yeah. change the graphics back. I see the old graphic. <laughs> yeah. And so I was playing it like, you know, with the nice new graphics and he's like, Oh, Halo one, man. Like, yeah, it looks just as good as the day it was released. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> no. I was like Wait, what? I was like, no. And I pushed the button. I was like, this is what it used to look like. He's like, what? Yeah. It took him like five minutes to get over it. <laughs> My brain. That's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. And that's, I, know, I think I have a, a magazine cover somewhere for like the original Unreal, and it's like photorealistic graphics. <laughs> and wow, the guy's got like fifty polygons, right? <laughs> Hell, I remember watching the the intro uh, video on Tekken Two, and there's a bit in there where Nina Williams is like brushing these weird spaghetti strands of hair aside from her face. I'm like, holy shit, rendered hair. <laughs> It doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. <laughs> it never will. Oh, God. I would have, like, my brain would have exploded if I'd seen Brave at that point. <laughs> yeah. True. All right. So now's the part of the show. Damon. Yes. Do you have any, uh, uh, I don't know, tales from behind the production line? Any work anecdotes that you would be interested in sharing as a guest on this show? Okay. Yeah, I'll share. I'll share one that uh, is kind of funny. This is from a from a previous job, um, and uh, I'll I'll leave some names out, I guess, just to keep it keep people from emailing me angrily. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> sort of one of the one of the most like WTF moments I think I've ever experienced um, was I was working uh, was working for a very large company uh, working on a Facebook game um, that was tying into a very large console IP. Um, and basically we were like, we were, you know, full steam ahead. The game we were making was like a tower defense game. Um, and it was pretty cool. You would, uh, basically you would kind of deploy like troops to little like forward bases or whatever. And then monsters would come swarming at you and you would kind of poke the troops, like point them in which way they would shoot and whatever. So, so it was like, it was tower defense, but it was a little more active than just kind of like, building that perfect defense and just watching it shred all the monsters. You kind of had to keep interacting with it the whole time. That was our, I don't know, gimmick or whatever. Um, and so I would say we were maybe like, I don't know. I mean, it's Facebook. So, so development times are super short. So we're maybe like a month away from like shipping the game. <laughs> and uh, turns out that no one had ever talked to the people who were making the console game about it so they saw it for the first time like a month away from us shipping and they didn't like it like they basically were like why are you building a tower defense game that doesn't fit what we're trying to do at all so yeah so it just got canceled like outright uh not even like not even it was it was funny because it's like it's the first product they've been on where it wasn't i mean i've I've been on other canceled games and, and you know games that didn't make the cut but usually they're for like production reasons or the mar- the game is bad in playtesting or beta or whatever and people are kind of like it's not worth it this is the first time i've ever been in a meeting where it's literally like a creative guy was like no i don't like your game design your game's canceled and it's like you could have told us that you know i don't know before we started working on it <laughs> but uh but yeah that was uh when they told us that everyone was just kind of like wait what this is the first time they've seen it but like we're a month away from shipping what do you mean so, uh, so yeah, that's definitely, uh, kind of, it's kind of a funny story now. I mean, it, you know, yeah. again, just the Facebook days, like games didn't take that long to make and no one was ever too attached to them. Cause again, the game could have shipped a month later at horrible metrics and just been turned off. So <laughs> it is what it is, but I always thought that was, kind of funny. you know, you could make a game 
uh, that was dependent on an IP and never have an IP stakeholder look at it until. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I remember uh, just talking about shutting a game off really quick. There was one game I worked on, kind of worked on, that uh, got released. And by the time it got released, I think everyone was so sick of it that when it came in, the first metrics came in and they were not good, it got shut down in like less than a day. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we finally got here and we released it and it sucks and we're done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We finally got it over the finish line and wah wah. That's definitely happens. I mean, that's definitely, you know, big, big thing. Uh, momentum is definitely important, especially in if you're not doing, you know, those upfront box products or premium if it's on mobile and you have like, you know, a $4 download or whatever, then. People don't realize, right? It's like, we shipped it. That's the hardest thing. And it's like, no. <laughs> Sorry. Your game is free. So people installing it doesn't matter. <laughs> now is the hardest thing. Convincing them that the free product is worth giving you money for. Yeah. Yeah. Might have to might have to do a larger discussion on that topic later. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, man. Free to play is definitely a big topic of discussion, right? It's a can of worms in a lot of ways. Yeah, and it's not easy. It is not. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, stop me if anybody has anything else they'd like to talk about. But uh, thanks, guys. Thanks, Jeff. And thanks, Damon, for uh, coming on today. Thank you, man. It's a lot of fun. problem. All right. And if anyone out there would like to see me write about anything on the Behind the Line article series or hear us talk about anything here on Behind the Line Radio, including just a big discussion about the nature of free-to-play and how things can wind up getting canceled there. I think that might be a fun topic for later. But uh, write in if you want to hear it. That was unnecessarily musical. Uh, you can write me at k- uh, kinetic at enthusiax.com. That's K-Y-N-E-T-Y-K at enthusiax.com. See you all next time, everybody. Behind the Line Radio is presented by Enthusiacs.com. For more podcasts, Let's Plays, articles, videos, reviews, and more, visit us at Enthusiacs.com. Also, send us a comment on Twitter, at Enthusiacs. View us on YouTube, channel Enthusiacs, and like us on Facebook, Enthusiacs. Enthusiacs.